0: And we're
1: off. Sons of the Hunt podcast, season three, episode 13, right? Yes, sir. It's, it's still 13 from the five minutes ago that I asked you. Yep, yep, yep. I wrote it down. Nice. I didn't write it down. <laughs> I do have notes, though. Look, look, at, look at us with the paper and pens, you know, writing an things down. Professional and, and
2: fancy and whatnot. And it is
1: getting better. I, I'm going to make a projection that this is going to be our most produced episode. Possibly. Possibly. I think so. Man, we are in it right now. Hell yeah. November. November uh 5th. I had to click. But uh episode 13. Episode 13. <laughs> Things are happening, man. The, the PA woods despite 65 degrees today still pretty
2: hot. Yeah, from what I've seen. I've seen some evidence of it for sure. I mean, I haven't yeah. been out there personally, you know. I've I've got a little bit of a uh, you know, uh, hitching my get up right now with my with you know some promises I've made to certain young men, uh, mm. so I'm not out there as much as I'd like to be this year. But I think it's all going to come together and be worth it. Got to watch you know, the
1: promises you're making to young men. I'm telling sure. you it, it can get you into some trouble every once in a while, you know,
2: <laughs> especially if you're a politician. Uh-oh. So you know, fortunately, mm. I, I I err on the side of non politics.
1: Gonna be that kind of episode. <laughs> so, uh, man, I have some things I want to talk about for thi- for this episode mm-hmm. then um, it's actually kind of like a listener feedback type of deal yeah people have been asking specifically about mock scrapes and you know I just want to I want I want to go with it and uh, try to do a comprehensive guide to mock scrapes and the more I thought about it the more I, I realized Um, I'm like a mock scrape hunter. That's kind of your wheelhouse, man. Yeah. I do it a lot. And, uh, I don't know. I, 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 I never wanted to be one of those guys that's like, here's how you hunt deer. You know what I mean? I think that's just like a, I don't know, a douchey way to be. Oh, sure. I, I, I could put things out there and you could take it or leave it. And I, I guess that's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to say that this is right or 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 I know what's going on or I'm some kind of scientist. Although I do have a, a business card that says I am a scientist. Well, yeah, I'm obviously. a bit of a scientist myself. Mm-hmm. Um, don't just play one on TV. Yeah. Um, but honestly, I think scrapes are such a weird thing. And they've always caught my interest. Like, I don't think anyone actually knows like 100% what's going on with them. I think that deer are just these, you know, community social creatures. And basically, I think all a scrape is doing is saying, here's my scent. I don't think there's any sort of communication. I don't think they're communicating with those. I think they're just saying, this is my area and it's covered in my scent. Stay out. Yeah. I yeah, think I think they, that that's the 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 easiest way to put it.
2: Yeah, I, I would agree to an extent. I, th- I think there's a little bit of a communication aspect to it, as far as like calling cards, like who's in the area, because I mean, mm-hmm. you know oh, they're, sure. they're going to be able to identify each other through the through scent and whatnot. So, I mean, I, 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 when it comes to this time of year, deer are going to start to broaden out their range a little bit, right? You know, when they're looking for hot does, so. You're gonna have a a buck who may have a home range a mile and a half two miles away start to move into a new territory just because you know there's nothing really happening in his neck of the woods so he's gonna come over he's gonna find a hot scrape and he's gonna he's gonna let everybody know that he's now in the area yeah so I think it's more of like you said a, a calling card yeah uh like- for a lot of the deer so not so much as a you know a a your standard communication style but like just a uh, you know a communal. Message
1: board. It's like dogs sniffing butts.
2: Yeah, it's like a fire hydrant. Yeah, you know what I mean. There's a, a, a the deer are all kind of hitting it and, and uh, letting them know that they're there. So you're gonna have your your hot does hitting yeah. it and letting the the males know that they're in the area. So if you have a an, an outsider male come into the area, they're gonna hit it too. They're gonna sniff it and they're instinctively gonna go ahead and mark it.
1: Yeah. So I mean, it's
2: it is it's a really cool. Yes. Um,
1: it's probably the most fascinating part yeah. to me, at least about hunting whitetail buck. Sure, sure. And I so, mean, since
2: I've known you, that's you've always kind of had a little bit of a uh, of an affinity yeah. uh, for, for scrapes, whether scrape it's mock line. scrapes, uh, hunting scrape lines, you know, that type of thing. And uh, so, I mean, it, it's more your kind of wheelhouse. I've messed around with them a little bit, but I don't have the, the level of uh, experience. I don't want to even call it knowledge or expertise, but the level of experience... With you know success rates and seeing how they react to it, I mean you've got a lot of really great footage um, as a yeah. you know an example of how they act on it and what they do and you know
1: yeah so I I did compile some of it just because of some of the questions I've fielded recently sure. on social media and uh, yeah I don't I don't know where it really started I just I I like the way it, it's just a, a weird thing how unknown. It actually is. Like, there's studies out there about what they're actually doing with them. But regardless, it attracts Buck. Mm. And it, 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 I, don't, I don't know if I want to say it attracts them, but it catches their attention. And that was what caught my attention right, about right. them. Because once I started filming, it was kind of like, all right, I need the, their attention elsewhere when they're coming through or doing whatever they're doing so I could get away with more movement, adjusting the camera, doing whatever. So most of the stands that I set up are set up specifically around some other attraction, be it a mock scrape, uh, an apple tree, uh, a a specific trail, something that I know where the deer is going to be show up so I could set up. You know, a shot, a frame, I could do something like that. So mock scrapes actually, you know, are the perfect thing for that because you know, first of all, you're probably going to get a buck, you know, messing with it. And second of all, you know, you're going to get him doing something kind of camera worthy. Sure. Raking his antlers. Yeah. yeah. Rubbing his face in it. Paw on the ground. Paw on the ground. Sniffing the air. Yeah. So all those things, I was like, well... I don't know, as a bow hunter, that's what you want to see anyway. So that's where I was. And I just started messing around with a lot of different products. And I'm just going to preface this with the fact that this company and product does not pay me at all. I've never spoken with anyone there. This is just the one that works for me. Um, I don't honestly even know. Okay, it's wildlife research. The Magnum scrape dripper. Yeah, got one right here. The bag. Um, I think I originally saw. Um, what's that guy's name? He's the he's a big deer farmer now.
2: Um, uh, Keith Warren. Yeah, I was gonna say that uh, Southern guy, the Texas guy.
1: That's the first person I saw use this when I was just a little tyke. Yeah, yeah, a little twelve year old boy watching the outdoor right, channel. Right, right, right. And I, I'll never forget, he was in some kind of box blind, and there was a monstrous deer sniffing the, the dripper, and I was like, well, okay, that thing works. And ever since then, excuse me, that's what I've used with active scrape. Yeah. And only active scrape, not golden scrape. I haven't had as good luck with that for some reason. I don't know, deer are turned off by it, it seems like. So... First of all, that's the product they use, and I think that there's a big misconception that you could just tie this on a branch and a deer's going to come to it, and that's not true at all. There's so much more behind it, and I like to think that there's actually a little bit of woodsmanship there too, that you can manipulate the habitat to make this thing work for you. If you know, sure, kind of what sure. to look
2: for. Yeah, we've talked about hanging cameras before. Like you know, if you don't have woodsmanship, you don't know where they can't, where, where to even put it. Yeah, where you the sun is going to come couple. up. Where right, they, right, you
1: know, right. I mean, that's that's all things that kind of tie into this being an effective product. Mm-hmm. You you definitely just can't hang this anywhere. Right, right. Um, I, I don't really have in depth notes. I I wrote <laughs> mock scrapes, and then I wrote one, and I wrote location. And that's the only bullet point, right? That well, I have. I
2: think one thing that I you, you might want to touch on is why the sun is important. Okay, because that there's, a, oh, there's for a camera a functionality. No, no. Well, for the the dripper, because when that heats up, it's going to start to right uh, function a little bit uh, or cool off. I mean, it's just the way it works. So
1: that it'll, in the daytime, it'll drip more. It expands and contracts mm. with heat. Yeah, because this thing is, it's a, it's a plastic bag. Essentially, or, or container that's encased in this canvas little baggy, with this twisty pigtail looking yeah. pigtail tube that you do not cut. You're not going to want to hang that over your beer, I don't think. No, this is this is a this is a new <laughs> one. I might just for future reference, man. I might fill one of these with beer someday. That's Maybe not a bad that's idea. A great idea, hanging in the stand. Yeah. Um, the pigtail. Don't cut the tube. I've seen so many people be like, "Oh, I cut the tube." I was like, "Well, you ruined it." Yeah. So the tube serves a purpose. It's a gravity deal. It's science. I'm not going to get into that. No one's going to understand it. Just flash your business card. <laughs> here we go. The the <laughs> it's going to expand and contract during the day. That's going to push the liquid through the tube mm-hmm. and let it drip at a consistent rate. Right. Um, the other thing I, I also do is I, I peel that sticker off. Oh, the of Magnum Aldi's. sticker? I don't know why. Yeah. Well, yeah. Because I, I think Magnum, my mind goes elsewhere. Heard. You know? Yeah. I, 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 makes me sad. Makes me sad. <laughs> <laughs>
2: No, but, I mean, you know, they, they, I think the whole thought process behind that, and based on what I've learned about them, is, you know, if they're active more during the day because of the sunlight activating the process of it dripping, yep. it's going to attract deer to come there during the day. Because
1: it'll, it'll be, the, the scent will be more fresh. Exactly. And that's so, going to maybe
2: trigger them to maybe come a little bit more. You're going to trick them into spending more time in your area during daylight hours, which is yeah,
1: light. Yeah, I, I buy into that. For sure, but I mean, I know a lot of people who have hung this and said, "Oh, I didn't. It it didn't work for me. Mm-hmm. I I didn't get any pictures of deer on it." And it's like, well, there's there's a lot more than mm-hmm. just filling this thing with liquid and going out and hanging it. And when I say location, I I do have three bullet points underneath location that I think, um, I I'll just say I've experienced success with this, and one of them the the first one I, I have not technically a mock scrape so if you have an area the first first thing is you have to have an area that you know buck frequent so either rubs or scrapes and I, I have like a short video I'll, I'll plug it in here it's it's an old one it's uh geez I think that was it was in the follow-up to ghost when I put in that food plot and I had a had that one little area in the food plot it was i called it the the hot corner there were a bunch of rubs there and there were little saplings and for some reason deer love rubbing on saplings any kind of pine coniferous tree mm-hmm. there's something about them they love rubbing their antlers in rubbing their face on it's i, I don't know if it's the sap the Maybe oil the bark i don't know the, the bark. bark
2: is more abrasive who knows
1: whatever it is they they love that so Jot that down. And we'll go back to that after. But anyway, if there's sign there, even if it's old sign, like that's the one thing I found. There were historical rubs, like older rubs, and then there were you could see that there were rubs from the previous season. That's a spot that you know Buck traveled through during the mating season and they're marking their territory. That's probably a spot you're gonna get some good activity if you put a mock scrape somewhere in there. That one specifically. I started that year with my own urine. I remember you talking about this. And that was probably one of the hottest mock scrapes I've ever had. And that was when I stopped pissing in Gatorade bottles and gallon jugs and hauling my own urine in and out of the woods Uh like a crazy person.
2: I used to have these bags that you would piss in and they would like there was some kind of chemical in there that would like yes. firm up and like yeah. turn it like a gel. <laughs> yeah. And it was the, the, the old, most disgusting thing, but I'm like, well, this is what I got to do. I mean, you know, if you, you got to do what you got to do, you the know, and
1: old I had these piss jello. You forget jello. it's in
2: there. Yeah. The old piss jello. And then like, and then you forget it's in there. And then you go out hunting again and yeah. you're like, oh, great. I have one of those bags. And you open it. You're like, damn.
1: Me and my dad always used to talk about, um, cause we would use either, Orange juice containers, like gallon mm-hmm. orange juice containers or milk jugs, and he would tie it with a rope on on like a branch and it would get full over the season. And I was like, Dad, what happens if that rope breaks and that thing falls and you just got a giant piss bomb? How is that's gonna ruin your spot because at the time it was yeah. like oh your 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 pisses' a deterrent to deer kryptonite yeah now it might be the biggest buck bomb going might be magical who Who knows? knows it's it's hard to tell but either way you don't have to do that anymore right because pissing in a mock scrape to start it is the hottest thing i think you can do since i did that that year i start them all that way and you've had success with it. I mean, yep. you've, you've
2: got them on film, so it's not just a one and done multiple, fluky thing.
1: Yeah, multiple videos of deer hitting these scrapes, and it's it, it's proven at this point. There's no reason to believe it's not. Right. You, deer cannot differentiate human urine from deer urine. I I still think though that they can differentiate coyote urine. Or predator urine, maybe. I I, th- I think they can, but I don't know why. Maybe it's. I mean, I'm assuming coyote dietary urine makeup, maybe musty. I mean, you know, yeah. maybe and maybe it's not even the urine that they smell because I mean, you you've se- I'm sure you've seen it where a deer crosses a coyote's path and it's like, ping, opposite mm. way. Like roadrunner, yeah.
2: that comes back around to the whole like fire hydrant thing. You know what I mean? When you have yep. a bunch of dogs pissing on one spot, that's there. There's a, there's definitely something there. So yeah. yeah, I mean, I I could see that. It's it's you know a different species altogether. Which we are different species yeah. from the deer. But I mean, maybe there's a dietary faction there. I mean, I don't know. But yeah, yeah I mean, I, I've seen it myself. So yeah, I but can I mean, agree with you,
1: you think about it. You get a big burly dude coming in and just. Mm. This is my spot now. Okay. And I could see how a buck might be like, challenge accepted. Mm-hmm. And I say, bring it on. I have sharp arrows. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to lose. Either way, the human urine works to start a mock scrape. Bottom line.
2: Yeah. And again, we, we, we may, have, I think it might have been. Uh, either late season one or somewhere in season two we kind of started talking about this a little bit and uh, and, and since then I've seen a lot more evidence of other people other individuals kind of posting about this because again social media is where we get a lot of our information because you know it's on social media it must be true Right. Uh, but, you know, it's just the consistency is there. Yeah. You know, like, you know, what do you use? To, you know, do you urinate in your stand? Anybody here pee out of their stand? You see the question a lot, like, what do you do? Like, mm-hmm. and a lot of guys are like, I just let it rip. Yeah. You know, what are you going to do? Let it rip right out? Yep. Send it it's right out, out of the it. side of the stand. Um, just make sure you don't pee on your ladder because then it's going to be an awkward. You know, on situation your ladder, climbing out.
1: Make sure you get yourself out of several layers of clothes indeed
2: yeah that could present a bit of an issue could be uh, deep sometimes yeah it it happens you know second season brother second season is uh interesting but you know it's just one of those things where it's starting to become um more of the norm to to just kick it off that way you know what i mean and not only kick it off that way but like instead of carrying a jug around like a sunny delight bottle hanging in a tree that's going to freeze expand and you know, literally blow up, blow up piss a bomb, bomb style yeah. and uh, make a mess of your scene. But, An ammonia bomb. Yeah, right? Yeah. But it's just one of those things where it's starting to become a lot more common and a lot more people. I, I think it's always, I don't want always been a thing, but it's more common previously than people wanted to let out that they were doing it. Yeah. And then once it started to become more commonplace, see that? You started a trend, man. Yeah, well... Yeah, you're, you're hashtagging. What, what, what could I say? Yeah, but it's one of the things where I think people are now starting to go. Okay, well, there's other people doing it, so I'm not crazy. You know what I mean? And this is a thing, and it's starting to become a little bit more commonplace that people are starting to use their own urine to kind of get these grapevines fired up.
1: Yeah. So I mean, be, besides that, the the coniferous thing, the pine. I think using your own urine on a underneath a pine branch mm-hmm. somehow is a pretty good combination and here's where the woodsmanship comes in i'll I'll show another clip of it i i thought i had a clip of me actually doing it but i don't we were trying to figure out whatever that tree was it might be a ponderosa pine they're they're pretty big
2: yeah and they're they're very like kind of stalky or stout whatever you want to call it kind of fatty you know what i mean so wider than tall
1: i i hung a a stand uh back behind my house there's actually a few people who listen to the podcast who who are familiar with this piece of property. That I think they know the tree Maybe. that it was in. Lost access to hunt it. So if you can still hunt it, good for you. Here's a hot tip. That, that tree, I cut a bunch of branches off, and I took one of the longer branches, and there was a nice open spot right next to Deer Trail that came through there. I took one of the longer branches, and I... Stuck it in the crotch of a tree, and I, I anchored it down with a rock. Okay. So the branch was hanging down, you know, about the height you need it, four or five feet, whatever it is. I hung the dripper. This is another thing. Hanging this dripper. Hanging it above the branch. The licking branch. Because a lot of people put it right on the branch, and it's like dangling in the deer's face, and... <laughs> don't and, want pee on your nose. I don't care what species you are. Yeah, believe it or not, deer are going to look at this thing hanging off the branch and go, hey, this isn't a natural thing.
2: Yeah, it's not normal. It's shiny, and um, I'm not quite magnum level. Yeah. Maybe some of them are. I mean, I'm not trying to judge nobody. There's
1: <laughs> not normally a bag hanging from a branch. Heard. So try to hang it above the branch so it drips down. Because I don't think active scrape is 100% urine. I think it's a blend of just must and urine. It's just yeah. the general scent of a scrape, from what I understand. So having that drip on the branch and then on the the scrape, I think, is the way to do that. So I'll hang it high enough. I have this pine bow, or bow, or whatever you want to call mm-hmm. it, that I place there myself. Right. And... That scrape in particular, geez, the day I hung it, I had a deer there within a couple hours, and I ended up passing that deer. Maybe I'll fit that footage in here. It'd be a good spot to put it. Yeah. Because I I never showed it, and I can't show it now. It was a nice nine point. It was probably, at that point, well, one of the nicest deer I've ever passed up. It was a, a nice nine. Passed them up a couple different times, and... He hit that scrape, that mock scrape within a couple hours. but in the the following few days, the first couple days in November, I had two different mature buck hit it, a couple two and a half year old deer hit it. It got hot real quick. yeah, it was just a good spot. It was along a good trail, and now that that's a case where it wasn't around any other scrapes or any other rubs. It was just an area with a good, heavy trail intersecting with another really good trail. okay. I mean, I, I saw, when I was scouting the area, I saw that tree and I was like, I'm gonna go check that tree out because it' stuck out to me sure. I was like, that looks like a good tree to hang a, a stand in. And sure enough, when I got there, there were a bunch of trails leading right to it. I don't I don't know if it's something about trees that make animals run right to them, right right, but it was a good intersection. So, I was like, "This is gonna work here, and that pine bough, I think did a lot. I think that they they had access to it it was eye level they they could see it 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 just worked that way sure so that was another uh good location that I have a bunch of good videos from um
2: Let me ask you something. So, like, there's a lot of guys out there that hunt either public land or they're hunting small tracts of land. Mm -hmm. Um, And you might come across um, a rub line. So you're seeing a a couple of trees that are kind of in a similar area, like you said, the pine trees or the saplings that are rubbed up. But you're not seeing a whole lot of scrape activity. Mm -hmm. In in your opinion, would it be... um, plausible to set up a mock scrape in an area where you're not seeing a lot of scrapes as it is, but you're seeing a lot of rub activity? Yeah. Would it be beneficial for somebody who's got 5, 10 acres, you know yeah. what I mean, alongside of a larger tract of land, but they just don't have access to that, um, to maybe consider setting up a, a mock scrape or something of that nature along a rub line where there's really not a lot of scrape activity visible?
1: Yeah, for sure, because just like that, that, that hot corner that I called it. Sure, sure that was all rubs that that entire line of that food plot mm-hmm. was all rubs it didn't look like there was any scraping activity going on until i started it there right. and then they started hitting it very consistently i think if, if a deer is rubbing a tree it's in the same mindset that it's going to make a scrape fair enough you know what i mean it, like yeah, I it, it's it's marking and it's it's leaving scent the other thing you mentioned about being on public land something that uh, i've done in the past that actually worked out really good is if you have a pine tree and you have a good bendy branch that you want to get down low enough if you could shimmy up that tree and tie a rope to it pull it down and then tie it, tie it lower it yeah, yeah so you can bring that branch down if if you have your own land that's a really good tip actually, yeah, yeah. Cut, cut the branch like well, sure
2: yeah you can trim it a little bit but on public you got to be careful with what you
1: just cut it halfway so it falls down mm-hmm. i've done that that works well but if you're on public and you can't cut then go up there tie a rope piece of
2: paracord in your pocket we'll, we'll kind pull of, it down bend yeah. it down
1: to where they can get to it you know what i mean sure that that's worked out well in the past for me too i don't know why i mean i've hunted mostly private in pennsylvania my entire life sure but i have done that where i've just pulled it down mm-hmm. Yeah, I do. Um, a, I
2: do a lot of private myself. I'm fortunate, you know. But there's times where I'm really sketched out because I'm like, you know, like I said, I've lost pro- all my last year. I lost all my property. I was like, shit, what am I gonna do? Yeah, I got a kid coming up who wants a deer hunt, and I'm like, I'm gonna be stuck on public, and I hate to say stuck on public, but um, you know, those of us, you know, those guys who are are listening who are from Pennsylvania and hunt public land know exactly where my hesitation lies with that because it's it's challenging it's not
1: not quite the same
2: it's not you know i mean it's smaller tracks unless you get out to like western pa you know the northeast region here it's smaller tracks of land there's a lot more guys hitting it a lot more foot traffic and unfortunately a lot more guys that are not looking to get ahead of the game They're last minute weekend warrior dudes that are going to be out there trouncing around two or three days before you want to be out there, and it creates a bit of an issue for people who are really trying to put in the work. Um, so I'm like, what am I going to do? You know what I mean? But that's a side. That's a side note. But right. you know, fortunately, I've, I've had some you know opportunity to kind of fall into private land yeah. know, numerous times, and like the property I'm on now, I'm just figuring it out. You know yeah. I mean, now the, the the landowner's trying to help me, like, why don't you check this part out? Go look at this. Go look at that. And honestly, I think he's testing me with half of this stuff that he's doing with me. He's he's a nice guy. He's he's, he's out there a little bit. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's, it's getting to the point where I want to get around the property a little bit more and find spots where I can do things like, you know, set up a mock scrape and hang a camera on it yep. just to see what kind of activity we're getting. And is it worth maintaining that section you know what i mean is it worth should i move it should i go to the complete opposite end but i think you know not only is it is it a tool that you can use when you're trying to get away with some movement but it's a great scouting tool you know especially if you're running cameras
1: yeah and i know the one thing that a lot of people um try to take advantage of is early season scrapes And I I know I see a lot of Midwestern guys do it. I've never had any success in Pennsylvania with scrapes during the summer or the, like, early rut. Even, like, into September, I just don't see that activity working. fair enough. So, uh, yeah, that's, uh, I don't know. I've set it up before. I've tried, and it just, uh, I just haven't. Had any success with that? I I don't know if it's just, it it could be just the areas that I hunt. I mean, yeah. they it, it, they don't historically hold deer during the early season. And right. I I don't mean deer. I mean buck. Like sure, they sure, they sure. just don't freak with them. Yeah, in there in the early season.
2: And that might just come right back around to woodsmanship and like okay, so you know this is not the time to focus on the scrapes and mock scrapes that kind of thing. This is time to focus on you know feed schedules or you know, uh, the, the food in general. Like, wh- wh- where are they going to eat? That's where you're going to want to kind of focus on to do, yeah. to do a little bit of an inventory on what kind of animals you have in your area.
1: But but what I do have is basically breeding grounds. I know sure. that that's where buck end up showing up because it, it's like a, a doe nursery, right? for lack of a better term. You know? No, and I mean, I've so, heard that term used a few times in regard to that property. Yeah, there's just so many doe there. I don't know why, but the buck just don't, Really frequent it during the velvet phase. Right, they're just not there. So, I mean, that's maybe that's probably why I haven't had good luck with early season scrapes. It doesn't mean that you won't. I would try it. I sure. I just I, I honestly don't know enough about that part of it to. And that's it. You know,
2: everyone's mileage yeah. will vary in yeah. that regard. But you know, it it, it just. It, to be able to, I mean, it seems like having these out there are, were a great tool for you to, to figure out the property to where you know mm-hmm. when you're going to start seeing these bucks more active yeah. in that area. So early season, you focus on doe, which is, I have some questions about, you, you got a doe earlier this season. Mm-hmm. Um, I have some questions on that. Uh, maybe we'll save that for a second half. But, yeah. um, you know, uh, it, it just, it's, it's a great tool, I think, if you use it properly, just like anything. You know what yeah. I mean? You don't want to use a hammer to do brain surgery you know yeah. what i mean you got to use the right tool for the job and but i think these can be a great tool to take inventory to figure out where the bucks are moving what time they're moving that kind of thing so yeah man i think uh these mock scrapes and these drippers and, and these types of tools are are clutch for people who are not only trying to figure out a new piece of property yep. but trying to hone a piece of property they've been on for
1: a minute yep. or two you know and i mean, there are a couple other aspects of it like timing like i said like early season it doesn't work for me. Right, right, right. Exactly. I won't fill up drippers until and I I think this is even pushing it like Halloween. Right. Like even a couple days before Halloween. This year uh the rut it's it's so it you kind of got to dance around your words when you say the the rut started mm. around Halloween, but the buck activity Significantly picked up October thirtieth, October thirty first. Yeah, for me at
2: least. Yeah, and that's a good way to put it. It's not so much like because you know how many times have you seen posts? It, the run is on. Yeah, it's I on! mean we just we Dude, had it's like
1: September thirtieth. We had a good cold. <laughs> we had a good cold front, and the buck activity picked up. That's yeah. all there was to mm-hmm. it. But during that time, the way they they were acting, if those drippers were full, they would they'd be there. Yeah. You know sure. what I mean? So that's usually the time that I like to start filling because those first two week and two weeks of November, if you have them full, and typically the, this bag will last two weeks or so.
2: Right, right. Yeah, no, a good point because that was going to be another question I had was like, you know, what's what kind of timeline you looking at to kind of keep it? Because I mean, obviously you're going to have to refill it at some
1: point. I get I get about two weeks out okay. normally. Good, good deal. Um,
2: that's great. You just answered one of the questions I had. For, I had yeah. To ask it.
1: So. I that's why I try to fill them up right around Halloween, and then you've got pretty much the the thick of the rut yeah. going on. But leading up to that, I mean, if you're hunting them in these same areas early season, pissing those scrapes, yeah, you know, keep, get them going, kick, kick send kick, it, kick that 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 dirt with your with your boot, pissing the scrape, yeah. It, yeah. It, if they see a low hanging branch they're they're going to go over to it. Mm-hmm. And and you get that cold front just like we did in October, the, the end of October there. They'll they'll run over to it. You know I, what I mean? I
2: think that's an important point, you know, that part of it, you know, when you see a scrape, you know, you're not going to see an awful lot of scrapes just randomly strewn about. Mm-mm. There's going to be something near it that's going to cause them to be able to scent mark. Uh, yeah. To be able to kind of chew on the end of the this, the, the branch a little bit. It's so so that's something that I think needs to be taken into consideration. Again, falls under woodsmanship when you're looking to set one of these. Yeah. Like you said earlier, you got to make sure you've got some kind of licking branch. You got some sort of. Yep. Because um, that's a vital part it, of.
1: It could be manipulated. You can make one. Oh, sure. Yeah. You know? Yeah.
2: But it, it's a vital part of it. You know, so you can't just go in the middle of the woods and just kick up the dirt and piss in the ground and yeah. think that it's going to happen for you. You know, yeah. so that's because there's a lot of people that listen to this podcast that are veterans. They've been around. They understand yeah. that. But there's a lot of people that are kind of new to this and are kind of leaning into this section of this podcast a little bit. going, yeah. Whoa, OK, this is this is good stuff. They're taking notes. You know what I mean? So yeah. that's that's a, I think an important part is you need to understand that there's several components to a successful scrape. And especially when you're building a mock scrape and having a licking branch and. You know, an area where the deer can feel safe, whether it's a field field edge or a funnel area between two fields or a swampy area with some wall, you know, a lot yeah. of, there's a lot of field stone walls in Pennsylvania, you know what I mean?
1: So that's something you just said there, a uh, funnel area in between two fields. That is that one spot that you'll see me hunt quite a bit, yeah. like, and for these reasons, that's where I shot the buck it's this little I, I i don't know i i call it like a like a pasture almost like a little pasture prairie type sure. thing on this hill that's got some coniferous trees in there those like ponderosa pines it's got that one really good tree that i right, hunt right. out of all the time and they love going in there and raking their antlers in those in those pines and making scrapes in there so I there was a really good scrape that I could tell they were hitting consistently. Oh, jeez, this was last year, or the year before. That's when I really started scouting. Well, I guess it was 2018, so it was two years ago. Found a really good scrape in there. I set up a uh, a dripping bag just up from it, which was predominantly downwind from where that one good scrape was. Okay. and it just so happened to work out that there was a good tree to hang a stand in there and that's uh that's kind of how that stand for for these reasons came about right and I had a really good buck hit that mock scrape in the middle of the night I never got daylight picture of this deer but it by my account that deer's a legend in the area and i'm thinking that he's alive this year. I'm yeah. not sure, but I have really good videos. I'm just going to post them. Yeah, roll them in. Yeah, you know, put, the, put them into this because he ended up coming to that dripper because it was downwind of the scrape that he made. Yeah. I, I hung a camera on that scrape to see what was there. He hit that. I, I hung a, a dripper downwind of that by the tree that I can get a stand in. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So, so if that deer was going to try to check his scrape, he's going to come downwind of it and bam, there's my scrape. Sure. So you know that he's going to go to that one and try to make that one his own, try to put his scent That's on that. That's how it works, yep. And that was my thought process there. And he did it during the night. I haven't gotten gotten him to do it during the day yet but that's a plan and i think that if he comes through there for sure that's going to happen mm-hmm. I, I i don't see it not and even if he does that scrape is 100 yards away or so i'll be able to see him i'll be able to grunt at him tickle the Try horns together yeah do whatever yeah yeah and if he knows that other scrape is there which i know he does he's going to come check it out sure he's going to think that other buck is there
2: that's it that's it that's that's. these are great tactics for everybody to kind of think about consider and then I'll, and now try to envision your piece of property that you're on and this might open up some some options for you in regard to like oh you know what i'm hunting a scrape right now but i don't know where the scrape line leads or yeah. you know, i'm just kind of throwing it out there you know yeah. you might it, it, it could be completely opposite of, of your situation but you know there's a lot of guys out there that you're going to be able to take this and work with it and run with it and 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 use this to uh, maybe step up your game a little bit, and, uh, and and you know again like you said using the wind to your advantage, yeah. Using uh, the topography to your advantage, whether it's a, a funnel area or something like
1: that. But I and mean, I, and I mean that takes a lot. Like you need oh, to, sure. you need to take notes, uh, sure, or, or or be mindful of the wind when you're in the place that you're hunting. That's it. You need to know. You need to take note of okay, the wind is predominantly this way. I need to take note of that.
2: That's it. I think I need to get the word "predominant" tattooed on me because, like, when I'm out there, that's like, you know, I with my my kid, I'm I'm constantly like banging it into his head, like, no. dude, you got to know the wind. Yeah, Your sprays scent lock, scent block, whatever it is out there. Yeah. You know what I mean? You got to know the wind. They help you. They give you a little bit of a leg up at certain situations, but mm-hmm. you got to know that wind. So I mean, that's like it. as far as like one hundred and one type stuff, I got that's that that's his primary focus is predominant wind, and he already knows the predominant wind of the farm we're hunting right now, and he's yep. like twelve. He yeah. gets it, you know. He's like, Dad, is it is it northwest north or west northwest?" You know, I'm
1: like yeah, dude. That's we're, that's we're that's, that, that's advanced, man. That's it. It takes a lot to get to that. Well, it it took me a long time to get to it because I didn't have
2: an awful lot of help getting there. So it took me a long time to figure it out. So if I can kind of fast track him into certain aspects of, you know, what the woodsmanship and hunting is all about, it's going to make it easier for him to kind of focus on other areas that are going to make, like, shooting lanes. Um, you know, topography, again, you know right. what I mean? Like, are you on a bench? Are you on a knoll? Like, you know, these kind of things that you're going to want to be in certain places at certain times, depending on deer behavior. He can kind of check those boxes early. Yeah. And kind of get after the other important parts of it. And it's going to just kind of fast-track him into being a better hunter. Yeah. You know? and uh, So these are, these are great tips. I yeah. mean, I know because there's been some... Uh, requests and some stirring out there about scrapes and mock scrapes and stuff like that. But yeah,
1: we went zero to 60 from not really talking strategy heard. at all to becoming absolute geeks with it. And it, But I think that that's the thing we kind of had to do it at some point sure
2: like, it is the season it's yeah. deer season and yeah. you know the, this year has been very uh unique in regard i mean no this is our third season doing the podcast mm-hmm. so we've only got two seasons under our belt so it's not like we have some kind of massive pattern brewing right now yeah but you know well th- oh, I, I don't want to be patternable well that's it you, you know, know what happens I mean? that's how you get an arrow in your chest exactly you
1: know? <laughs> that's what happens when, when you live on
2: a pattern and that's it. But, you know, this is one of those things where it. this is the time of year, you know, they make hay while the sun shines. Mm-hmm. And this is a big part of what we're doing right now and what a lot of the people who follow along with us are doing as well. Yeah. So I think trying to, you know, share some of the knowledge that we've acquired over the years of us spending time out there freezing our asses off and... You know, not this year, of course. I mean, Jesus Christ, it was 66 degrees today.
1: It I couldn't w- believe it. I mean, we did have some cold days, though. Well, that's I it. We did. I you got, know, so, I I got wet. my ass off last yeah. week.
2: And I was like, dude. And I was only out there for a few hours. Yeah. But it was one of those days where my kid had something else to do. And I'm like, hey, buddy, you know, you got this going on. But, like, I can go hunt. And he's like, oh, Dad, go ahead, Dad, go ahead. Yeah. The reason I'm saying because I promised him I would let him kill a deer before i killed one but you know there's times where he's not gonna be able to go and i'm gonna be able to go so yeah he he gets it you know the 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 sentiment is there yeah but it's one of those things where and and again i'm trying to figure out a new property so the more time you're out there the better off you're going to be in regard to you know dialing in a any kind of tactic you know but um yeah it's 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 tricky you know it's it's tricky this time of year but you know it's it's the time of year where we need to focus in on this type of thing and you know, we're, we've never really been like a hardcore hunting podcast. Yeah. We're, we're hunters, no question. Yeah. And that's a big part of the lifestyle that we kind of project. But, you know, this is the time of year where it's it's time to buckle in. Yeah. You know, it's the same thing with turkey season. You know what I mean? We buckle down around that time of year and that's where we focus. Yep. But the rest
1: of the year, we've got other things, other avenues to explore. Yeah. But, I mean, that was the thing. I never wanted to be a, a podcast like, oh, this is what we do and this is how you have to do it and... and these. This is the strategy. I, I kind of want to be a take it or leave it type sure, of thing. Sure, sure. Like, like, hopefully we're entertaining enough that you want to listen. Right. And here are also some tips that we've used. We know work. They work for us. Give them a shot. And that's See it. I, I
2: think we would fall a bit short if we didn't share because i mean you've yeah. been in the woods for years i'm yeah. i'm been in the woods for you know 20 plus years 30 yeah. plus years at this point um you know and it's we've developed a few tactics and some tips that may help somebody who's just kind of getting their feet wet in the in this whole you know process of hunting yeah. so we I mean, it would i think we would, it would be a disservice if we didn't share a little bit of it yeah but it's not something that we're going to harp on constantly yeah. because yeah. you guys are going to get sick and tired of that and uh, you're not going to come back for the beer reviews, you're not going to come back for the hijinks, and you're not going to come back for the, yeah. <laughs> the stupid shit that falls out of her mouth every but, once in a
1: while. But, uh, man, we went hard. Oh, uh, yeah, we did. 43 minutes. Yeah, buddy. In the second half, we have beer reviews, Indeed. and then I have... More deer stuff, yeah, but I want to talk
2: about. Well, this is going to be kind of our the deer episode. We, we can call this the rutcation episode, whatever you want to call it. But this is the this is, this we, is the deer episode, man. We're we're I here, mean, this is going where hard right now. This is
1: where you're going to get everything you need to know if you want to go out and kill a deer. During, get out your spiral binder. Get out yeah.
2: your uh, number Highlighter, two highlighters. Yep, let's tape get after your
1: glasses in the middle. <laughs> get out your pocket protector. Because we're geeking
2: out. That's how it's going to go, man. So this beer that we were drinking right now, This just oh, a man. side note, this um, New Trail Flannel Weather, um, how appropriate is that? Mm. But, dude, this is killer. Uh-huh. This is the second one we've had tonight. So uh, yeah, second half of the podcast four, might four be time. a little shady, just for the records. Yeah. Uh, but this is kick-ass New Trail Flannel Weather. Uh, yeah highly recommend we've been drinking this as we've been going along with the first half so we're going to come back second half with another beer that is uh, near and dear and uh, yeah I think we'll uh, see you on the flip side Go. Yep.
1: review like we like we typically do indeed and we've got another wall paul Pack brew yeah this is kind of a special
2: one actually yeah they're
1: their third anniversary ale and it's uh i was kind of telling you that i didn't try it so so you were able to pick it up because you were yep. there today which is yep. awesome but Belgian style triple which uh it's kind of like
2: those words don't usually go together in a sentence too often huh
1: well they they used to um not a lot of breweries do Belgian style triples like Belgian ales are like very like traditionally like sudsy and like I don't know very carbonated type of beers with yeah effervescent <laughs> with like spices and yeah I remember the I was telling you after uh like I always say Flower Power was the beer that got me into craft mm-hmm. beer but I had a Saint Bernardus triple was like for the longest time like my favorite craft beer Mm. and that was a a belgium style triple yeah and uh i just i kind of got away from them and now we have one in front of us and i I just as soon as i look at yes it looks like a smoked peach it's like the color that i would think of like a grilled smoked peach which is in there Belgium-style triple with local honey, chamomile, and ginger-smoked peaches. Yeah, ginger-smoked peaches. Like, that's the color right there. If I it was, was a crayon, yeah, yeah, exactly. ginger-smoked peach. That's,
2: it's a crayon. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's perfect. I mean, it, it, there's, we, we, you know, you revert back to kind of the, the sudsiness of that style of beer. <clears throat> this kind of throws it all in the face of that. Yeah. I mean, there's no head on this beer right now. Now, granted, we're using different glasses than we typically use. Um, These are more like Belgian style beer glasses. Yeah. Yeah. Again, we're nerding out, so bear with us. Yeah. Pardon me. But I mean, this looks
1: looks insanely
2: good. Yeah. I mean, like I and I haven't tried it. Neither one of us. Yeah. I mean, when you get honey chamomile. Ginger rich smoked peaches. I mean like savory. That's a quite the list. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I'm really anxious to, to give this a shot without making a whole lot of nasty gulp sounds into the microphone here. Let's we'll see
1: how it goes. Yeah, I think we should get after this. We gave it some time to warm up. Indeed. That's Holy a Belden style triple. Like yes, that. sir. Like he crushed wow. that. Like that is the that yeastiness
2: that right in the front beer too flavor, like
1: right in the front yeasty sudsy like i said like that like
2: and it is which is crazy cuz there's no head on this beer no and but you can it, it's the i think the, that the the alcohol the kills field.
1: the the head on the beer maybe but at the same time like on the back end that's when you get all those spices it's very and, yeah like,
2: dark and deep flavor oh man like Holy that's what hell.
1: like I remember that's what I remembered about Did it again. Belgian style triples is like you'd have like coriander and like spices, right? And like right? Right? All that flavor, like on the back end of it. And that it is it almost
2: seems like more of a culinary experience than mm-hmm. like a beer experience. And uh, very,
1: very popular beer to pair with food. Mm. Now that you say that, I'm trying to figure out what I would put it with. So I was thinking the other day like my favorite beer to pair with like like Chinese food or like pad thai or something like that is All like right. like citrusy yeah, yeah. double IPAs. I like like That's a good Like point. a good citrus Man,
2: I haven't had a good pad
1: thai. I've had a
2: few but none of them were very good.
1: Like a, a good Just, Anything uh, spicy is is always complemented really well by like citrusy. Yeah, like a bright flavor. Another. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. This might this might do it. This would be good. I feel like with, I don't know why, but my mind goes to like duck. Mm. Like a like a a good like. Rocco, where you at? Yeah, Rocco. Okay. <laughs> some duck.
2: Have that dog fetch us some duck. Seriously, you know the the guy I, the the place where I hunt right now. The guy he's got a swamp in there and like a little stream that runs through, and he hunts ducks there. Man, this awesome. I'm on the fence of whether or not I'm going to buy a duck stamp this year and spend some time with him in duck blind. I'll be honest with you. That's going to be an interesting afternoon, spending time in the duck blind with that dude. Yeah. He's a very complex individual. Let's just say mm-hmm. that. Uh, really cool guy. I like him. We, we, we disagree on a lot of different things, but mm-hmm. we agree on majority of things. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, to be able to... I haven't duck hunted. That's something you and I should do. Um, and we may have to, you know... Uh, Call in some reinforcements in that regard. Yeah, uh, because the the I got a lot of duck hunting friends. I'll tell you, and I got a lot of duck hunting stuff. I've got everything from decoys to it jackets. Like we're to set weird. up. I mean, yeah, it's just you know we just going to make it happen. Um, but that I'm telling you, man, we used to eat so much duck. It's not even funny. That's awesome. My roommate and I, we <laughs> I mean, ate I be pretty much game wild game all the time. Yeah, it's and so duck good. was a big part of our diet. And duck it's is my fantastic. favorite. Fantastic. Yeah. with a good wild rice or something. So yeah, I, I would agree with you that this is good because duck is real fatty and it can be almost to a... Savory. Almost, it's very savory, but it could be fatty almost, um, you know, to, a, 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 to the negative side if you're not careful with it. But
1: I think that this would be good with something that was smoked, mm-hmm. something very salty. I agree. A salty, Agreed. smoked.
2: Yeah, because it, it's it's got a really good, well-rounded flavor to it, but it's not sharp. There's no refreshing. bitterness. There's no alcohol flavor to it. Oh no! Despite the fact that what is this, nine point one? Yeah, Holy thirty hell.
1: IBUs, low, low yeah, bitterness. I mean,
2: it's a it's a fantastic wow. Because we wanted to hold off on this, we didn't want to drink this upstairs, mm. you know, because like in between segments you know part one part two we'll go upstairs we had some uh we went up and had some kibasi tonight mm-hmm. we were kind of uh nagging on some kibasi from uh, a plishka kibasi there in simpson right by uh where i'm at if you guys are local to this area yeah hit them up to some of the best kibasi in the valley we're eating some of that mm-hmm. drinking some of the uh the flannel weather uh from new trail and now we're into the uh the wall and Paul pack brewing uh, the, the Belgian triple that they did for their third year anniversary. And how about it, though, for them being around for three years where they've come in yeah. three years? Yeah. Kudos to those guys. Yep. Uh, that's a podcast in itself. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, this, wow.
1: It's really good. So, like, Belgium-style triples is, I, I texted Logan when that came out, and I was like, dude, it's cool to see a craft brewery doing Belgian-style yeah triples and yes, if you
2: guys are like you know fans of miller light this may be kind of falling on deaf ears but people who really enjoy you know the the ipas and getting out of the wheelhouse of the standard ipa i mean you get into all these craft beer groups and everyone's like what the hell is with all the ipas already you know what I mean? Yeah. come up with something different now granted this is technically an IPA, it's it, it, it's it's a triple, but it's it's a Belgian style I, triple that brings out a whole. I don't new know level. if it's if it is an IPA. Okay, I might, I might be mistaken I, on that, and, and you know, it wouldn't be the first time. You know, because like, it's it's not a it's text not a, message. My wife she'll tell you all about the, all those mistakes that
1: I've made in the <laughs> past. <laughs> this is it's a triple style ale. It's a T R I P E L. Okay, triple ale. I don't think that it's technically an IPA.
2: Okay, well then I would I stand corrected.
1: I could, I could be wrong. but it,
2: Well, it definitely has a we, little bit of the undertones of an IPA with, with some of the fruitiness mm-hmm. and some of the, uh, you know, th- and I don't want to say bitterness because it's bitter. but it's more just,
1: yeast and malt based than it is hops. Fair enough. So See,
2: you, you know a, lo- a lot more about this than I do. Um, and I just go off the flavor and whether I like it or not. Yeah. And this I, is I, a I mean, home run.
1: I yeah. hope they have this around it's, for a little bit. It's that uh, champagne-y. You know what I mean? Okay, like, yeah, that's like a good that that's a good way of putting it. Cause I struggle
2: sometimes for the analogies to come up with it. Like, like mm-hmm. how do I describe this? You know what yeah. I mean? I, like the mouthfeel, the 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 bitterness, that the fruitiness. That that's usually easy easy to come I'm, by. I'm but. thinking a,
1: a good piece of duck. I, that's what's coming to mind when I think of trying this. Like, especially with the the ginger smoked peaches yeah, that this was rested on. Because that that how about comes just through? ginger smoked duck oh, crap and crap now mm. you got my brain working
2: it's not what this is about man
1: yeah it's good we'll just leave fantastic. it fantastic yeah great but it's job logan that, that is a triple it's got like, a good nose you, to it you like you can smell that peach in there you take that sip and i i just it, it brings me right back to like the first like belgian triple that i had like that's a triple that's a belgian triple like that belgian style mm. yeastiness mm. i'm
2: getting back after this i got to go find some more of this yeah yeah it really was good. one of those you know build a four pack type things and i just kind of threw a couple in and i'm like i'm going to grab two of these so we have it for tonight uh knowing that i was coming up here tonight so uh, i wanted to make sure i had some for it but man i got to get some more of this this is really enjoyable like i can yeah. sit and sip on this for a while oh yeah and i'm thinking like as this warms up a little bit and comes more closer to room temperature it's going to oh, yeah. kind of the dynamics different gonna change players. a little bit. I'm, I'm waiting for
1: that. There's a uh, Lucan's Farm right. Honey. That's what's that's what it says on there. Right. So it's like a local honey place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm thinking that's gonna start coming out once when uh, things warm up. The sweetness, the the residual sugars more, yeah. start coming through.
2: Yeah, this is very very enjoyable. And that there's well the done, dorkiest sir. thing I'll say. Yeah. To right. It. Hey, whatever. This is what you get.
1: <laughs> so.
2: You signed up for this shit, people. <laughs> and there's the dorkiest thing When you else.
1: clicked play, you signed up for this. The residual sugars start yeah. coming through. With various tasting notes. Mm. Screw your notes. Don't. <laughs> notes. Oh, what are the tasting notes? Ah. Shut the hell up. Yeah. Just drink it. Mm-hmm.
2: I'll tell you what tastes like peaches. Shotgun that bitch, and we'll see. Oof. <laughs> Can you imagine? Man, punch a hole in the bottom. We'll see you on the other side.
1: Send you into space. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that just maybe that maybe that'll just kind of the you know, Pack save our uh, third anniversary ale is um, highly recommended. Highly recommended. Plus, you're, you're not going to get to try it, so. Well, they had... Unless maybe you had it already. Maybe they already had it, but did they didn't have it. they have it have, on
2: tap? Um, I didn't see it on tap, no. Uh, they did have cans of it there when I was there, so yeah. I don't know. But I was there early. I mean, they don't open until, like, right around the time I was there. Yeah. So uh, when we were finished eating, we just kind of ran around front and grabbed a couple of four bangers, because uh, 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 I had some friends of ours were in from Massachusetts. They're originally from this area. They moved out to Massachusetts. Um, and actually if you go back to, um, season two, um, Eric, excuse me, Eric from, um, One Wish Foundation, his son, Garrett mm-hmm. is the guy I was with hanging out today. So oh, Garrett nice. Pelko is a good friend of mine. Um, a company I used to work for, I used to manage a, a sleep company in the local area here. And he was, uh, he went to a local college here and he was one of our interns and we got we kind of hit it off. Because mm-hmm. he's like, you know, he's raised as an outdoorsman. His dad's a big hunter, fisherman, that kind of thing. So we kind of hit it off and became, you know, quick friends. Right. And uh, after you know, we both kind of went our separate ways from that company, we kind of kept in touch. And uh, he graduated college. Another baseball player, you know, pitcher. Mm-hmm. Another pitcher, friend of mine, you know. And How come you did did you play baseball? I did not. I did when I was a kid, but I sucked at it. Yeah. As tall and lanky and fast as I was, I was not a very good baseball player. Nor was I a very good basketball. Seemed like a player. first baseman, but that's kind of another story. No, I was more of a right field guy. You know, mm. stick him out there and just let him hang out. And, you know, chase butterflies while everybody yeah. else is in the game. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I was okay. I wasn't terrible at baseball, but it was not a career choice for me. You know what I mean? Yeah. But some of my friends, they definitely went that route. Um, but you know, he played college baseball, did well. Um, good dude, but you know, he's just a great human. You know what I mean? His dad's a great human. We met Eric. You know, we spent some time with him yeah. um, with, you know, One Wish Foundation, yep. and they do a great job there. So Very cool um, that's kind of how I met Eric and how I came across One Wish is, is actually, you know. So um, it was a good day. We got to get up there, hang out, eat some food, drink some beer, and uh, I bought some on the way out, and this is
1: what I purchased. Yeah nice and uh this is man what a hell of a pickup huh it's going like right to my head if i'm being honest a little bit if i'm being honest right now
2: yeah but you know that it is a it's a kind of a heavy hitter
1: yeah but there's something about Belgian style ales that i i feel like always it was kind of like a i don't know did you ever have the conversation with somebody where they talk about if you drink wine it's a different kind of buzz than if you drink beer. Oh yeah. yeah or if yeah. you drink liquor, it's a different kind of oh, buzz. Like yeah, trust me, I know I feel all like, about
2: that situation. Like and that's another conversation. Yeah, yeah,
1: for for sure. But <laughs> belgian style ales, like yeasty ales, I feel like are it's like a like a heady buzz. A little bit more of a warmer
2: vibe. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I would agree with that. I mean, it, it might have something to do with the other, you know, the two flannel weathers we had prior
1: to the... Could be that. Uh, so we're Could be we're, that. I
2: mean, we're into our third nine-plus beer. So kudos to us for hanging yeah. strong. Um, yeah. You know, it's one thing I've come to realize is that I can drink some heavier beers lately and, and maintain my composure, so to speak, <laughs> I don't, to, I don't, to a certain extent. I don't, is that is that a bragging point? <laughs> I don't. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> a little bit. But yeah, I gotta say, man, these guys really knocked it out of the park and these guys, Logan. I mean, you know, and little John, he's a big part of the uh, the John. brewing team up there. So they got some really solid brains up there, I you know, on the on the case yeah. when it comes to uh, putting together some of these flavor profiles. Yeah. And it's impressive. I mean, there's a number of breweries in our area. We're fortunate to have as many as we do,
1: um, that really do well. Yeah, but these guys are flexing. They are on every level at, like every style. And that's
2: it. You know what and, I mean? And, like and, know,
1: most craft breweries are like, okay, they specialize in IPAs. That's it. Here's our they IPA, do here's Stouts. our double,
2: you know, exactly. Here's a here's a, a, These a milkshake, guys are doing and
1: here's, you know, a, Belgian triples. Yeah, this is Pilsner's, next level. Yeah. Lagers. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bock beer, wit beer. And winning awards for them. Lil John's lit wit. How about it? Like it, they are doing every style that's out there, yeah. Kolsch, like everything, okay. yeah. They, they're they're kind of this is a uh,
2: perusing the spectrum of different styles of beer, and they're doing a great job of yeah, it, yeah. They're doing in, great. All of them. That's like, it. I mean, and that is across the board. Like they're winning awards year after year after the, year for all the type of the work that they're the, doing. Uh, so I'm, and and this this is not surprising that it's as good as it
1: is. Yeah, but it kind of is. That, like that local smallmouth. Oh, how about that they're doing it, right? now? Yep, yep, yep. Winning national awards. Yeah, come on now.
2: They're Heffelweisen that just won award in 2020. I mean, so they're they're really killing it up there. Yeah. So if you guys are local, I mean, there's a couple of people out there, it's, you guys it's an who attraction. are outside of our yeah. region. Um, and you got and, and thank you for that, by the way, um, that you guys are still sticking with us. But there's a lot of guys and a lot of ladies who are listening to this that are local to our area. Yeah. And I, we cannot recommend enough. I mean, there's a couple of good breweries in our area, um, again, that are really killing it. But Wall and Paul Peck is doing a great job. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a handful of others in our area that you know we're we're partial to that do a great job. Um, but they're one of the uh, one of the top in in the area, being tri-state area versus yeah. you know the yeah, northeast no, Pennsylvania sure. area that are really just killing it with their brews. If you're into that sort of thing, if you're not and you're a foodie, well, check that box too. Yeah, uh, because Chef Scott's been killing it up there. We were up there today. Had a fantastic uh, butternut squash risotto. My wife had. I had a great flatbread uh, burgers. I mean, those guys are like, yeah, they, they've really got it nailed down. And their their
1: menu also expanses the gamut there. Like, uh, you can have a great burger or you can have a risotto dish. Like, come on, they go from they really go from bar kind of, of, food to like high end dining.
2: And that's it. You know, it's it's I you know. They've really kind of covered a lot of ground there, and yeah, I yeah. give them a lot of props for that. And again, three years. I mean, this is their third anniversary beer, and it sounds like we're kind of blowing a lot of smoke, and rightfully so. I get well, they're it, cool. But, we're, but they're, it's, it's deserved. Yeah. I mean, we've been in in the brewery. We've been in the behind the scenes to see what's going on. I mean, Logan was the first guest we ever had on the Sons of the Hunt podcast. Yeah. We did sure. a whole season with nobody but you and I, and the very first person we ever had on the Sons of Hunt podcast was a brewmaster. Yeah, you know what I mean. So that kind of underscores the amount of respect we have for the uh, the brewery side of you know yeah. what we enjoy. But uh, I mean, he's just a great dude. He knows his shit, and uh, the when it comes to the brewery and the staff there, those guys are top level, man. Yep. So uh, I'm not surprised that we're enjoying this. Uh, the, yeah. Uh, three i guess you would call it it's roman numerals three mm. uh belgian style triple as much as we are because uh yeah it's it's not a terrible surprise but so good man the surprise falls in how good it is yeah it's how how they nailed it Man, i mean goddamn. it
1: it it has that very typical belgium style taste but then there's all those very complex flavors surrounding it that's I'm getting that heady Belgian buzz right now, yeah. I, <laughs> where I, I, I'm I trying to explain a f- a flavor. It's like,
2: <laughs> yeah, I know, I <laughs> it, it's I it's it. such
1: a weird way to say it. It's like it has the the profile of a Belgian triple ale. But there's all these very complex flavors around it.
2: Yeah, the smoke peach is really kind of standing out. I'm gonna be honest with you. The ginger, a little bit. Yeah, I'm picking it up. But chamomile. If chamomile walked up and punched me in the face, I wouldn't know what the hell it was. Oh, so I'm gonna have... go ahead and call in a pass on that.
1: I, <laughs> I don't know. We we have chamomile.
2: chamomile. I I mean, I know there's like a tea or yeah, something yeah. I've like had that, chamomile so tea quite a bit. That's it's pretty just, good. That escapes me. That's just not my. That's not my my jam. But um, everything else, I mean, the honey, it's there. And if as you... we're talking about it and as we're drinking it, it's warming up. And then, and again, that honey is coming through, just like we suspected it would. Yeah. Hell of a job, guys. What yeah. the hell? Well done. W- what and can you yeah, not do, Logan? You know, Jesus. I,
1: I kind of i figured it was going to be good, so...
2: Yeah, I know. Like we were talking about, I was like, hey, you want to do a podcast? And you're like, yeah, let's do it. And like, hey, listen, I'm going to, I'm heading up. You're like, let's see if they have any of that third anniversary stuff. I'm like, sure shit. There it was. I mean, I think it might have been this and maybe two others. There were six cans left in the cooler. Now, granted, I'm sure they have more up there. They just didn't get to it yet because it was early in the day. But uh, yeah, man, I grabbed. Grabbed a couple of them, yeah. snapped them in that that's little four-pack, and uh, I'm glad I did, because this is really... And man, I just can't get over how little head is on this. Like, there's very little I think bubbles that's, at I all. think
1: that's the alcohol killing that. Maybe. Yeah. But
2: man, it is... And, and I was like, oh, shit. It look, almost looks flat.
1: Yeah, it's not. It's not. It's not. No. But one thing I want to do... I I I, I don't want to crush our wall pack conversation, but I have... More, more deer stuff. More deer stuff. I want to geek out on, and you know what I want to do? I want to pause it. All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pause the podcast real quick. So we start recording again so we have a fresh 20 some minutes. Yeah. That I could cut some footage into because I've got some deer stuff to talk about. All right. Let me do this. After all of the beer talk that we've had and uh oof. It is good though. <laughs> and right. as much as I want to keep tooting its horn.
2: Yeah. No, it is good. We we did them solid, I think.
1: Oh, uh, we'll put a going to try a timer. Producer Jay coming through. All right, you ready? All right, so that mm. just gives us an idea where we are at. How about at. that? So we talked at length about mock scrapes. Yeah. Um Where did we, where did we kind of end? I think that we we talked about setting them up in an area if you wanted to set them up in an area where there aren't any scrapes, at least try to make sure it's in an area downwind of where there are. Right. Look for some, some sort of activity, whether it's yeah. rubs
2: or you know some sort of uh, plateau or something you see where you, you you again woodsmanship comes in. Pardon me, big here um, is knowing what deer do during certain times of year and do the research if you have to if you don't know it already. But you know you want to try and, and and get if you're going to do a mock scrape, you want to put it in, a, in an area where you're going to have a higher probability of deer coming through that area to pick it up. I think me. that kind of kind of puts a fine point on on how where we left off with it.
1: We keep using that word woodsmanship, and I feel like we could do a whole podcast
2: on that. I agree, I agree, because there's a lot of facets there. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of variables in that in, in that just that word. But I mean, it, it's it's the reality of it. I mean, it's it's important. It's Vital.
1: So I don't want to derail that, but right, right, heard. The, the note that I made that, that we stopped at, I wrote third week. And the reason I wrote that is because this year in Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. we have access to hunt the third week of November. And as far as I know, for as long as I've ever hunted, we've never had access to You're bow right. hunt that week. And I, I've been talking to a lot of people about this, and it, and it, like people who bow hunt, who I assume understand what this means. I, I I'm not getting the impression that people are as excited about it as I am. This is it's it's a big deal. Sure, and, sure. And I'll I'll tell you why I'm excited about it, and then. You can draw your own inferences from that. So historically, I've had some of the biggest deer. And I hate using the word biggest because what you should really say is I've had some of the most mature deer Very, was, I've ever had on camera yep. from like November 12th on. And typically like November 12th, like, hey, that's the end. That's, yeah. that's it. Well, it's like yep. second week. Like the last the second Saturday in November, that's it. Two years in a row on the Sunday after the last day. I it was two years in a row. I had the biggest deer that I've ever had on camera. Two years in a row. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. I have a, I have a touch COVID. Indeed. But uh it's that, that third week is when you'll be driving to work. And you'll see that slammer deer, just that 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 monarch. And you're just like, well, where where the hell was he all season? There there's something about that week that the real mature deer start showing themselves. And Pennsylvania bow hunters having the access to hunt that week is gonna be a game changer. For sure.
2: Yeah, agreed. I mean, and I kind of dropped the ball on it. I mean, I, I should have taken that week off of work. If I were going to take a week at all, like close it down, shut it down, and do nothing but hunt, that would be the week to do it. And and like you said, you know, you, you try not to say biggest deer. It's it's the seasoned deer. Yeah. The mature deer. The ones that you're not going to see during daylight hours. Right. You know, these are the ones that are starting to slip. Yep. You know, because that's that time, man. That's when it hits. You know, you you see a lot of speculation across social media because, again, here we go with the social media thing. But there's a lot of speculation as to when the rut starts and when the rut is going. And you'll see guys at, like, September 30th, saw a four-point chasing a doe. It's ruts on. on. Uh, No, no, man. Like, sit back for a second, read a book, find something to do because (laughs) that's not the case. But it's very similar every year the time and the date. I mean, sure, the hour might change, but you know, you're you're gonna be in the real house just about every year the same spot. Yeah. And those deer that are more seasoned and educated and smart, they're gonna start to slip up. Mm-hmm. And I think that might have been a bit of the plan in regard to how the game commission sets their 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 dates and their times yep. and their harvests. You know what I mean? So that's probably part of it because you know you're absolutely right you know you're driving to work and you see that big 10 pointer stand on the side of the highway like you're on the side of 81 interstate 81 and there's a big giant slammer deer right there like how the hell does that happen because it's that time of year man
1: call me a conspiracy theorist if you will but call me an evolutionary conspiracy theorist (laughs) first because (laughs) here's here's why (laughs) The third week of November, mm-hmm. for how many years have you have you ever experienced it? How how long have you been hunting? Oh uh, well, see, that's I'm,
2: I'm 45. I've been hunting since I'm 10, essentially. So do the math. That's like 35 mm-hmm.
1: years. 35. It's been a long friggin' time. 35 but... years. Have you ever been able to hunt during that third week of November? I do not recall. Now I don't think. In so. in, in
2: defense, I have not. Been bow hunting that whole time. Right. However, I, I don't recall it. I,
1: do, I don't think so. I don't think that we've had access to that week for wow. a very long time. This could be microevolution, but the truly mature deer that survive through these rifle seasons, these archery seasons, I think can actually wise up to the fact that. There's a period of November, the dead middle of it, that they can get away with mistakes. Slipping up, yeah. And that is the week that we can not hunt for the third week, the week of bear season. How many guys see monstrous deer during bear season that All they never see again? All the time. How many of those stories have you heard? Her, a hundred of them. Yep. And, and not the, only
2: in Pennsylvania, but New York. I have friends of mine who hunt in New mm-hmm. York. They have... Uh, you know, they have camps up there, uh, you know, New Jersey, uh, down south, Virginia, you know what I mean? I mean, I don't know so much about the Midwest, the Iowa, the Illinois, that kind of thing,
1: but I have friends It's different there who, because of the way their seasons are split okay, up. Okay, fair enough. But here, yeah. for sure, you always hear those stories, and if you don't hear the stories, then you've seen the monster deer dead on the side of the road during that week. Oh, 100%. Or... or standing on the side of the road yeah in a field during daylight like running around like during that third week and that during bear season and it's just like why why then why later in november because the peak of the rut is the first week in november according to everybody which i just don't I just don't think there's a a peak of the rut. I, I would
2: agree there's a lot that goes into that, and you know uh, it, there's a lot of variables there, so not to get into it, but you know I, I would agree with you 100 percent on that because there's there you no know, there's such a variable there in regard to the 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 species themselves. I mean you have the because the, the buck can come into rut whenever
1: they want. it's the doe. if so the one thing my dad always said that I think it's true is that if a if a buck is hard horned he'll he'll mate a doe. If he doesn't have velvet and he has hard horns, he's going to mate a doe. I don't think that there's any actual research on when a buck would mate a doe or when he wouldn't. I mean it's not like he sheds his genitalia. It's it's always there. You know what I mean? It's uh It's gonna go. Let's let's pause it one more. So, uh, <laughs> all right. So there's some water flowing down Maybe. the drain of the toilet. Possibly good enough. <laughs> this These is this this this, one, and water this this one is going to take some editing. Yeah, <laughs> but all right, let's let's. That's po- all right, We're in good shape. Let's power through it. Yeah, we're in good. We shape. we changed the the batteries because uh on the cameras because we have. A lot of stuff to say, and uh, I, I still have I think I still have some video that I could probably cut into all of this. Yeah, it's catching you. Yeah, all right, we're good. Um. Anyway, the thing that I've always uh, believed that my dad has told me is that as long as a deer has hard horns, it will mate a doe, and I kind of, I I guess I mean it makes sense. I I think that a a a deer would ma- a a male would mate a doe whenever he had the opportunity. But I guess it mostly depends on the the doe being an estrus and that's that's accepting. the big thing. Yeah, but um, yeah, as long as it's hard horned, I think that that's kind of the thing that runs that cycle. They know like you know they rub that velvet off. They're like, all right, we're getting close.
2: And that's it. There's a chemical change that transpires in the deer to make them go from velvet to hard horn. And that's a, an increase in testosterone. Hormones, there's, there's a, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of things that happen there. So, I mean, they're usually ready before the dough are, you know. So it's when the dough come into estrus is when it really starts to get heated up. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So when you have that extra week during that bracket, you know what I mean, of time, it's going to give you an advantage. And this is the first time, like you said, that we can recall that we have an opportunity to get after it
1: during yeah. that time and span. I don't think people are understanding how, how important that actually you know, is. I
2: mean, some do, and some are really keen well, to he, it, but a lot of people are just kind of like sleeping on it.
1: I this think. also comes down to the fact that, listen, people hunt for different reasons, and that's fine. You could hunt to just put meat in your freezer. Mm-hmm. You could hunt for conservation purposes only. Sure. You could hunt just to put a nice set of antlers on your wall. Absolutely. It doesn't matter. All your money goes to the same place. Heard. Like that. So here's the thing. All in all, getting an extra week, get, getting anything. Sure. An is good day. for us. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's 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 a good place for us to be. 100%. And that week and an entire week we got it's right. not three sundays it's an entire week right, right you know what i mean i was gonna kind of lean
2: into the whole Sunday and i just thing. i just pers- you know that perspective but i'm
1: super amped on that yeah and i just don't think a lot of people are i yeah. don't think a lot of people know about it maybe not because it's funny because i looked at my
2: schedule like my calendar and i'm missing a week of deer season because mm-hmm. I set it up to where it's normal. That's how I do it. Every year I kind of set my schedule up for small game season, for turkey season, for deer season, for rifle season, for archery, that kind of thing. And this year for archery bear because I bought an archery bear tag this year. You know, So I, I kind of try to put it on my calendar so I don't have to go searching it out or asking a Facebook group, when does deer season end? Because I need to know. You yeah. know what I mean? I, I, you don't want to screw that up. Trust yeah. me. Because the game commissioner ain't going to give two shits whether or not you think you were supposed to be in the woods that day. Mm. So they don't care. You know what I mean? They they ain't got time. No, ain't nobody got time for that as the old expression goes. Right. So, you know, I, I, and I'm looking at it and I'm like, earlier we were talking about tonight I went, you know what? I'm missing a whole week of archery season on my calendar.
0: Mm.
2: So it's one of those things where like, I'm really trying to get my kid a deer this year. Yeah. There's a lot going on in that side of it for in my world, yeah. and to have an extra week to where maybe I do get him a deer, maybe two. Um, we've got a couple of antlerless tags this year between us, plus our buck tags. Um, that's going to give me an opportunity to get out myself, yeah. And, and then you lean into that Sunday opportunity mm-hmm. that we have coming up. Yeah. Um, you know, with the rifle season as well and the bear season, but you know, when you talk about archery season in Pennsylvania, which is what you and I are more kind of particular to, I mean, we're yeah. both archery hunters primarily, you know, well, we're hunters to begin with and then we lean more into the archery side of it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm, I'm not one to shy away from grabbing the rifle and going out and getting after it yeah. because, you know, I've, there's a whole lot more to it, uh, for me than, you know, you. Putting antlers on the wall. I mean, right. I, there's a lot of the culinary side of it, and we're going to get into a shit ton of that. So bear with us, yeah. You know, coming forward, but you know, the, the, just the the food side of it. So um, if I got to take a rifle, a cannon, a nuke, I'm mm-hmm. after it. You know what I mean? So, but to get that extra time because that's what I love. Yeah, I love to hunt, but I really love to archery hunt. Yeah. So if I can get my kid a deer, and then I give him an extra week to get out there and get after it myself and be a little bit pickier. You know that's Mm -hmm. it's huge. It's huge because I can spend some time training up a new hunter, as well as setting aside some time for myself. Right. Because that's hard to do if I didn't have that third week. Yeah. Because I mean, we just had that conversation yesterday, Jason and I. I'm like, buddy, we're running, we're running low on time because we haven't gotten a deer yet. Right. We've had opportunities, but they just didn't fall through. And everybody out there, you've been doing it long enough, you know. Sometimes the opportunities don't really fall through. Whether they present themselves or not, you got to capitalize. And if you don't, well, then you got to go out again and try again. Yeah. And that's what we've been doing. So until he draws blood, we're—I hate even saying that, but it's it's a weird term to even say draw blood. But, you know,
1: it's the point is— Warren Zevon. There you go. Draw blood.
2: You know, until he harvests an animal, I'm on his time. So the great thing is, is I have an opportunity to kind of go on my own time once we do. It gives me another opportunity. It gives me another chance. It gives me a little bit more time to be out there doing the thing that I love. And, and yeah. like I, you know, like you said, I don't think people really get that. I don't know yeah. how many people actually realize that it's an option.
1: Yeah, and and you see, it's it's funny. It's a it's a it's a very different contrast. Is that is that the way to put that? A different contrast. It. From your experience with that, or your potential experience with mm-hmm. that, it's different for me because I'm looking at it as, man, this is a week of the breeding period that we've never had access to, right, right? No, you're so so right. it's 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 different. you're you're seeing it as gain time, yeah, a, a, an advantage that you know you can get somebody else out there, you get yourself out there. It's just extra time, sure. I'm looking at it from a standpoint that, man, this is a a very specific time of the breeding period where I think you have a chance at a very mature deer. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's... It's just all good. It's it's just all good things, man. That, that's and it, it just,
2: and it, it does it comes around, you know. Like you were talking about earlier, we were, and even before we even got into the podcast, like you know what you've been seeing. There's a, a very specific mature deer that's been floating around your hunting area, and you've seen him a number of times. You and if if you guys have been following the Instagram posts and that kind of thing, you guys have seen him. Yeah, but you know. This gives you another opportunity, Adam. How many times have you got to the point where it's like it's the last weekend and you see him and you're like, "Damn. Yeah. If I can get into that stand on the other side of the field next week, I can capitalize.
1: So so here's the thing that will lead that that will kind of bring this all around here is that in the last couple years I've been I've never seen this deer uh they the term is on the hoof. I always say like in person. I've never actually seen this deer, right? Um, but I have trail camera pictures of him. I have. I, I know where his rubs are. Um, at the end of last year, I had no idea if he made it or didn't. Excuse me. Um, I usually have a pretty good idea of what gets harvested in the area, because of. Just word of mouth. Like sure, I, I know, I know everyone yeah. around here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, if this deer got harvested, I would know. I think, I think I have a pretty good a idea. High probability. I would agree. Yeah. So I didn't hear anything because I think last year he probably would have scored close to one hundred and fifty. I'm thinking this year, like he has the potential to be. Probably 160. Like, you'd think he'd like probably gained 10 inches. I don't know if the deer made it or not. So, all season, I've been chasing around this three-and-a-half-year-old deer that I'm pretty sure I passed up last year. I think I, I was showing you the right, Instagram right, yeah. photo of him. I'll post that.
2: Boy, is that going to make one hell of a story if that comes to fruition, man. Yeah,
1: that'd be cool. Yeah, yeah, sure. But, all season, I've in the back of my mind, I've kind of been like, where is that deer right i that that deer that was an absolute hands down trophy last year is that deer still around and it's funny because tonight i saw the deer that i've been hunting i got home i was trying to get ready for the podcast i got a message on facebook that somebody saw a deer that they said would hands down sc- score well over 160 inches and I don't want to be like a score junkie or anything like that but I mean when people put a number on it it's like all right you know it's not a three and a half year old deer it's it's an old deer that is running around there like hey we saw I saw this deer hands down gonna score well over 160 right around where you hunt and I immediately think in my head, it's got to be him. It's got to be that deer. Of course. I, I don't think that that many deer can inhabit the same general area. Sure. Maybe they can. I, I don't know. I, yeah, it, it's, it's, you, it's
2: hard to tell, you know, but, you know, they all all these deer have these areas that they roam in, you know what I mean? And the older they get, you know, they that old adage, you know, they, they don't get that big being stupid. Yeah. You know what I mean, that's it, it's true, you know?
1: But here's the thing that I'll bring this all full circle and we'll end it because this is like our our deer marathon podcast. So I haven't seen the deer yet. He hasn't showed up on a camera. I haven't really seen much of his rubs, but somebody texted me and said that they saw this deer in the area. There's a very, very good chance that in the second or third week of November that deer is going to filter into the area that I've been hunting show up on the camera just like the deer that here I'll, I I could I could throw it in the video right, here right, right. which didn't show up till the day after the podcast or or the day after the season the podcast excuse me didn't show up till Sunday the day after the last day of archery season and that was 2017 I
2: yeah. think 2016
1: I think... It, I think it was 2016 and then the next year 2017 this deer showed up on the last day okay fair it was enough. it was both both of these deer showed up November 12th two years in a row two different deer both probably like five and a half year old deer yeah I would wager that if this deer is gonna show up on the property, it's going to be after November 12th. And that's going to be that week.
2: And that's the beauty of having that extra time is because it allows you to capitalize on an animal that would otherwise not be slipping up. Yep. You know, And that's the game, man. That's They're just the game walking with the around rod. during
1: the day, that's during it. that week.
2: That's the game. You know what I mean? You, you wait because, you know, how often do you see the deer nocturnal? You know, the October lull. You, you hear all these terms that get thrown around willy-nilly, you know, this time mm-hmm. of year. But then you get that extra opportunity because these deer are gonna slip up yeah i mean it nobody's perfect just like we are these animals are the same way they're gonna slip up but unfortunately when the highest percentage opportunity of them slipping up happens we are at home yep so this is an, a unique I think. set of circumstances. No, and I would agree with you. Yeah, I mean, And, and I'm, I'm sure that there's a lot of people out there nodding their head in agreement. Because
1: think about October 30th and 31st. How many deer have you seen that were killed on Halloween this year? Oh my God, in, a lot. In PA because of yeah. that cold front? Yeah. A lot.
2: Sure. My wife was just talking to me today. We were and, on our way up there. And
1: you know what? I'm like super wide-eyed. Over uh-huh. like this three and a half year old that I'm seeing all the time that I, sure. I might end up getting a shot at very soon, but you know if if you can hold off on that, if you could hold off to that third week of November, man, I think I think there are very mature deer to be had in that week.
2: That's it. It's a roll of the dice, but you have a much higher probability of seeing something that I think you so. Know, to, to to really, I think so. Well, of course, and that's and and it's all in the eye of the beholder. You know what I mean? You know, there's everybody has goals that they set, and when you set a goal of I'm gonna chase mature deer this year, you know, there's two and a half deer, two and a half year old deer that I'm gonna pass on consistently, which you have, Mm. and I've seen the evidence of it. You had video of them, you have little Instagram posts, stuff like that. These two and a half, these three and a half deer year old deer. I'm sorry, I have to make sure I. Phrases properly but these two and a half year old three and a half year old deer that are coming under your stand listen you've satisfied that urge
1: a number yeah. of times
2: you know what i mean you've had success in the past where you've been able to kill those type of deer and you've been happy with it and it's not been i mean just when you look back at um two i've mm-hmm. been kind of revisiting two the, yeah. the the film project that we put together yeah. um, is really cool and again if you guys are not familiar with it go back search it out there's several episodes. I think we do three or four episodes. It's four, um, four episodes. Four episodes. Yeah. And and, and and it ends with you harvesting what some people would call a, 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 a subpar deer. Yeah. I mean... Just two and
1: but, a half year old, six point. Yeah. You
2: know what I mean? But... It, it, again, it comes around to what trips that trigger for you what sets that off for you when you're sitting there watching these two and a half year old three and a half year old deer go by and you see that banger come around that slips up because of that extra opportunity you know what I mean that's just priceless you, you can't put a price on that so and, and that, that is what this inaugural season is gonna provide for a lot of people yeah and I think that's priceless you know like i'm I'm not that picky but you've been in the woods and, and you've had success with animals where you can set a standard for yourself that it's not about inches. Yeah. It's about years.
1: Well, and, and, and that's the thing because I was, I was thinking about this today and the right way to word this is that if you want to uh, appease the highest level of conservation, then you want to remove the eldest members of that society. Yep. That's that's it. Yeah. So your goal, if, if you're a true conservationist, is to go in the woods, do your part to take out the oldest members of the society.
2: Sure. And not only that, but to kind of pit your experience and your woodsmanship against that of those who live in that environment 24-7.
1: But... Uh, Right, but also at the same time, you can't make that the the only final goal. Oh, of because course. geez, how how long would you hunt? How long would you? You might hunt thirty years before you ever see a like a, a five and a half or oh. a six and a half year old deer. You talking I think, to a guy who has. You think think about it. I mean, ha- do you think you've ever seen a six year old deer?
2: Um, I don't think so, no. May-
1: like, maybe. Yeah. I don't, who it's knows? It's possible.
2: I've seen some big deer in my day, but just unfortunately didn't have an opportunity at taking right. a shot at them. But, you know... Um,
1: yeah, when you do see one, you're probably not going to get a shot.
2: That And, and that's it. I mean, they're, again, it comes right around to... They're, they don't get that big by being dumb. Yep. You know what I mean? They don't get that old. They don't get that seasoned by slipping up too much. But when you have an extra opportunity, like we do this year it gives you a little bit of a leg up a little bit of an advantage to maybe close the distance on some one, some of those animals and some of those more mature animals that um you know that's what you set your goals on you know what i mean so i think that, i think you're right a lot of people are sleeping on it but i think there's a lot of people out there who are keen to it that are in the same position you're in yeah no. that are like all right man they're just chopping at the bit they're like all right. you know they're like i'm going to take a nap you know i'm going to yeah. sleep on this week <laughs> You I got that week, and there's a lot of seasoned hunters who follow along with us, as well as newer guys. But it's those seasoned guys, man, that are like, all right, they set those standards and they stick to them, because it's real yeah. easy to see that two and a half, three and a half year old deer that comes under you. that's a nice eight point, yep. ten point, nine point crab claw, you name it. You know and, what I, I mean? and I mean, and it's that. like, mm, I'm not going I'm not gonna sleep on this one, and then boom, there you go, and your season's over, and that's fine. But there are people out there that have that wherewithal to stay the course and, yeah. and just wait on it. And, and and if it doesn't go their way, so be it. That's how you roll the dice. But there's other people out there who will kind of hold off, and they get that opportunity.
1: Yeah, I mean we're we're on that fringe right now. Yeah, in percent where it's like a, you're, three and a half year olds are almost the new. Two and a half year olds, yeah. where it's like you're all like, you're almost seeing people harvest three and a half year olds on. I, I'm not going to say on average is it a three and a half year old deer in PA to me is still, still a challenge, still above average. Sure, it, you're probably going to go an entire season without seeing one, unless you really put your time in. You you of know course. what's going on. If you if you can like if if that deer walks in front of me tomorrow i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna let an arrow go sure you know what I mean, even knowing that there is probably a excuse me like a five and a half six and a half year old deer in that area there's a really good chance i'm gonna say that there's a really really good chance that I know exactly where that deer is. I can't go there. It's it's not my property. Sure. I think I know where he's probably staying, mm-hmm. and that's why he's six and a half years old or five and a half years old. Fair enough.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a there's a fine line between tempering your expectation and seizing a moment, yeah, versus rolling the dice on. You know, a once in a lifetime what opportunity.
1: A, yeah, it was like a heady, trippy thing, right? right? I know yeah. it,
2: it is. It, it, it's really intense, and and I think that's what a lot of people don't really understand about this aspect of it. You know, um, the season hunters out there, you guys get it, you, men, women, whoever you are out there, you guys get it. There's people out there who are kind of new to the game who are like, I can't, I can't see passing up. A legal animal, never mind a good animal. Mm. You know, a two and a half, three and and a half year old deer. It's fine, and of course, because you need to satisfy that urge to keep you going. You know, I mean, there's this. That's what this is all about. Listen, at the at the end of the day, it's about adding value to these animals and conserving them and preserving them for the next generation and for next season. However you want to look at it. I mean, you know, you can get all the cliche terms you want and throw them at the wall. But, you know, when it comes to the personal satisfaction of this, I mean, you got to do what makes you feel like you've accomplished something. And if that's a a two-and-a-half-year-old deer, have at it. My son missed a nice two-and-a-half-year-old this year. And is it a deer I would have shot? Maybe. But it wasn't me behind the bow. Oh, he was a nice deer. It was me behind the camera. So it's hard to make that call. Yeah. When you're staring down the pipeline at an animal like that,
1: you're gonna know. I mean, it, it's it's hard to go through all the work of setting up a stand, sure. Doing all the trimming, like like first of all, just picking out the tree. Yeah. Like I told you, what was it a couple of weeks ago that I went out to set up a stand and I ended up leaving it on the yeah, ground. Yeah, I know. I just yeah. walked <laughs> around looking at that tree, <laughs> this tree, that tree. I was like, I I couldn't pick a tree, man. And then it got to like two thirty, three o'clock. I was like, I gotta get, I gotta get out of here. Yeah. I left the stand at the base of a tree, walked out, watched watch that deer walk yep. by the stand from and, a and different stand. Yeah. And it's just like, man, if, if you do the work and you do all the trimming and you set that stand and you just see a nice two-and-a-half-year-old deer walk by, it's going to make you feel good to do it, man. Shoot the deer. A- absolutely. And, and that comes with like
2: marginal advancement. You know, the more time you spend out there the more work you put into it the more you want to return on that work yeah so if it's you know uh a, a five point that's got three legal on a side hey man let her rip yeah but if you look at that and go you know what i put in a lot of more work then what that deer is going to provide to me on a personal level then wait let him walk because guess yeah. what's going to happen next year that five point might be a nine point yeah. And he might be 140 150 inch deer and again not to get tied up in inches but that's a, a there's really not a lot of ways to express, you know, size, age, you know, maturity without getting into that side of it. But you know, the next year you might look at him and go, you know what? Because I'm you've showed me numerous pictures of deer where you're like, I think this is this deer. And yeah. I passed him last year. Yeah. I let him walk. And now here he is. Yeah. You know, and I'm seeing him again. Pretty good. I mean, sure, there's nothing's 100. <laughs> percent And it's also
1: very hard to catch up with them. And like, that's it. They you get know, smarter. Sure, sure, but because
2: yeah. they're they got another year under their belt. Yeah, you know what I mean. They got another year of scenting the wind. They got another year of learning the the property. Another but you know, year of you know navigating that geography.
1: You know what's fun about all that though is having three doe tags. Indeed. Then that's the thing, man. If you if you want to get meat, there it is. Apply hell yeah get man. your dough tags hell yeah because man
2: bust that old 30 30 out man dust it off
1: I, I tell you what man chasing buck like this and trying to figure them out and understand them man, that's what i like the most about it
2: sure and, that, and that's what you know satisfies your need in in the hunting woods other yeah. people that it doesn't do it for them they just want to get out there they want to punch a tag they want to hang a tag on the ear and and you know what that's fine so then you need to do what you need to do to make that happen for you but just do the work yeah you know what i mean and because you're gonna feel a hundred times better about it when you feel like this week it's just not happening i've been out a number of times i'm not seeing deer i don't know how many facebook posts i've seen where like i don't think there's any deer in this woods Mm. you know what i mean and it's like no, they're there. You're just in the wrong spot. You know, yeah. you don't want to knock anybody down or no anything. Way. But it's just like, you know, you, you do the work and then finally something happens and you're like, this is my shot. Take mm. your shot. You know, if you feel in your heart and your soul that that's your shot, take it because you're going to regret it if you don't. But if you're like, I worked too hard for this. You know, what I mean, I put in the effort, I put in the time, and this th- this steer is subpar in my standards, then I'm going to let him go. Yeah. You're gonna roll the dice, of course, because you might end up eating tag soup that year. But you got to be okay with that.
1: You know what this is all rolling back into? Just character building. Hell yeah, the kind of character that you are, man. It it, you learn a lot about yourself. Mm
2: -hmm. Not that there's any one level better than the other. It's how it's all about progression. You got to progress through these ranks, and you got to come up through it. And, and, and again, you know, it, it, the cliche thing with, we've always said it, it makes you a better person. It builds your, but it's the reality of it. So, you know, if you feel like that two and a half year old deer is your thing, hammer down, man, let
1: her rip. Man, it, uh, how many two and a half year old deer did I kill? Like a, a lot. Sure. <laughs> like, because it, it, it I, I had my fill, I yeah. had my fill of two and a half year old deer. And, and you that's know what? Exactly, the, and, that, and that's a great. And you know what? I'm still not above shooting one. Like if Nor am if I. the right circumstance happens. I mean, mm-hmm. I passed up so many deer last year and ate my tag. Typically, I'll go every other year, like being willing to eat a tag. Sure, but I mean,
2: well, look at look at the two of us. I mean, we're we're both very similar in a lot of a lot of, of perspective but when it comes to time in the field there's a, a drastic difference between how much time mm-hmm. you have in the field versus how much time i have in the field so if i if i see a legal deer come by there's a good chance i'm letting an arrow fly and i'm gonna be perfectly happy with that yeah because i don't have the time to put into it to wait on that you know yeah. and, and it's not because i want a bigger deer and i'm just gonna settle yeah it has nothing to do with that It's seizing the opportunity that's put in front of you. And how much time do you have to let that one slide and get into a new opportunity? Yeah, And that's what it comes down to, just anybody out there. So, you know, and a lot of people get hung up in in what the expectations of, you know, these groups are and stuff like that. You see these guys with these big, huge Ohio 10 points and whatnot. And and you're like, man, do I need to meet that standard? Hell no, man. You need to meet the standard that's between your ears. Yeah, and if you can accomplish that and you're happy with that, man, have at it.
1: Here's the thing about seeing deer on social media: you're only seeing the deer on social media. Yeah, you know what I mean. You're not. It's seeing not. It's the not like I got away. No one's posting a picture of the empty woods in front. Yeah, yeah. You know what, yep. what I mean. Just their bow laying in leaves. Well, there are a lot of people who are posting there. <laughs> Fair their, enough. The butt of their crossbow Fair laying enough. across. But what I mean. That's the thing. You're only seeing the success. Yeah, agreed. I wouldn't. Agreed. I wouldn't. Just, just remember, it could change in ten seconds.
2: A hundred percent. And I've been trying to drill that into my kids' head. Like, we sit there for two or three hours. I'm like, dude, it only takes a minute.
1: You know, you know what I've learned about myself this year is that I, I, this was the year that I realized, like, all right, you're. I, I, I don't know the right way to say it. I want to I want I basically want to say you're an old man, you're 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 too old now, because I don't know how many all day sits I've done this year. I started on October 30th, I did the 31st, I did the Tuesday after three four four maybe four all day sits, and they fly by. It's not like they're grueling. It's not like I, I'm, like, wondering what's going to... It's like they're not long enough. I would kill to do an all-day sit right And now, now it, yeah, it's just realizing that makes me, like, almost emotional because yeah. it's it's like, Jesus, like... I can sit all day and it's like there's not enough daylight here. Like I, I if I could sit through the night I'd sit through the night. Like I just don't wanna leave there. Yeah. And it's 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 tough now.
2: Sure it is. And and, and that again, you know, it it comes along with the progression of it. You know yep. what I mean? You get to the point where it's not about the deer anymore. You know, it's about the pursuit. You know, and and that and, and again, a lot of people out there understand that, and there's a lot of people out there going, "What the hell is wrong with you?" Yeah, and, and, and to each their own. You know what I mean? But it's it's and that and that's it. You know what I mean? You, you gotta do the all end of the gay, day, boy. End of the day. Wow. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. Oops. Oh. Oops. <laughs> end of the d- 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 day. <laughs> um, yeah. End of the day. You, you you need to be happy with what you put forward effort wise yeah you know and you know it doesn't it's not about the deer at that point anymore and a lot of times it's not about that you know and again i'm i'm trying to get my kid a deer and at the end of the day it's not about the deer for me you know it's about the lessons he's learning it's yeah. about what he's picking up and it's what yep. we're fa- what i'm trying to fast track him into you yeah. know what i mean so that he can become more successful quicker than i did yeah so i'm on a dip now
1: you just hope that he gets wrapped up in all of, all of the stuff along the way, and the, the scrapes, and the The cerebral and, and aspect like,
2: of it. You know what the, I mean? Like, yeah. thinking it out. That's what I want for him. I you hope know, he gets I don't want to just, like, go sit in the woods and wait until something comes by to kill it. That's not what I want for him. I mean, in, in the beginning, that's what it was, because that's he where,
1: was a kid. And that's it was where a lot of people hunting. lose it. And know? that's
2: it. You know, But when you start to introduce the cerebral side of it, the, the, the wind direction, the temperature the time of year you know what i mean it, it becomes more of a pursuit than it does a hunt if that makes any sense uh-huh. you know and and that's where you know you're gonna really hang your head on, a, on on a successful endeavor is when you can put all those pieces together and walk out with what makes your heart feel good. Yeah. You know, and, and that's what I want for him. But that's what I want for everybody out there listening to this. Yeah. Man. And that's what's important. You know what I mean? Don't get hung up in the the inches. I know we've referenced it a few times, but there's hard to not reference inches when you're talking about age and size and whatnot. But don't get hung up in that.
1: This is a parfait. There's levels to this. That's right.
2: Parfait. I love parfaits. <laughs> right. It's like one of my favorite desserts. Who doesn't like a parfait? Right. So so welcome to the Sons of the Hunt parfait. Because <laughs> on <Parfait> cast. <laughs> there you go. We just figured out the name of this episode. <laughs> so nah, you know, we're... without getting too much deeper into it, I mean, listen, y'all enjoy your season. Enjoy what you got left of it because there's a lot more coming down the pipeline because we are going to get in deep come yeah. second season this year. Yeah. So I think we've got some tricks up our sleeve for that. Yeah. And that's a whole nother prospect. Yep. You know, this is the time of year when the deer are going to start really getting on their feet moving around all these cliche terms, but you're going to, you're going to see them screwing up, slipping up, and you're going to be able to capitalize at a higher probability now than you would have a month ago. So stick with it. If you're not seeing deer, don't worry about it. Stick with it. And if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. Get after it again, get back on that horse. But right now is the time to really focus and trust your instinct Get into the tree you think they're going to be moving around. Get into that funnel. Get on that shelf. Get on that yeah. spot and, and sit it out, man. Like you said, do those all day sits, man. Have at it. Yeah. Get after it, make it happen, and put in the work now.
1: <laughs> do, you want, do you want me to be the antagonist, though? Yeah, do it. <laughs> to, to end the episode antagonistic. <laughs> Every time I sit in the tree, I sit there and I think, I, this thought crosses my mind. Man. I'm in one tree that's, what, a couple feet around, maybe, on hundreds of acres. (laughs) What are the chances that a a deer I want to shoot strolls by within enough yardage of this couple (laughs) feet of this tree that I picked? Yeah, you just
2: screwed the whole thing <laughs> up, yeah, man. <laughs>
1: yeah, I ruined that, but that's the thought that will run through my head, and I'm like, man just i'm i'm i I only have this couple feet here, <laughs> and that's it, and i so i probably i probably ruin quit. it, I quit, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> I give up every gonna, every I'm once starting, in a while, I start knitting,
1: but I'll tell you what. Stay positive in that <laughs> atmosphere Stay positive. Yeah, yeah. now stay positive. <laughs> stay yeah. Yeah, by the way. <laughs> it's crazy, man. And if if you have to you have to always have that positive you do. mindset.
2: You do. Because like know? you know, you, you said it's it, hunting. You know, it can happen in a minute. Ten you just seconds. Turn your head and he's standing there. Comes up out of the ground. You you know, name the terminology. It doesn't take much. Think
1: about that that chess match, though. That you can pick that tree where that probability is going to happen. Sure. Here, here's the thing, though, that I will counter my own counter with <laughs> the double counter, <laughs> right? And we'll end it here. We'll end it, here. With the we'll style end style it here. Counter, <laughs> ready? I hunted. Ugh. What's what's today? Thursday? Yeah. Was, was it was it, it, t- it Tuesday I hunted I could have shot a deer out of the stand I sat in in the morning I could have shot a deer out of the stand I hunted in in the evening and a buck a legal buck walked by another stand that I can see from my stand so three trees that I put stands in legal deer walked by each of those trees in the same day. So there take it is. that. So take that. So there so, it is.
2: So according to Mark, you all suck.
1: No. No, no. <laughs> no. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying you suck. I'm just saying that can... No, I'm that, joking, that, I'm that could joking, be I'm a joking. thing, man. I mean... No, absolutely. 100%. You, it, it just th- doesn't take much. Think about... I, I always come... I always play these odds game in my head. How hard is it to hit a baseball yeah. traveling 90some miles an hour with a, a bat that's what as big as a baseball maybe the, the, about the same that's <laughs> statistically, that sounds insane that that that's possible. Right. I think the odds of a deer walking by a tree that you pick are actually better. Than the odds of hitting a fastball.
2: That's a, that's a good that's yeah. I'll off give of you, like playing Kershaw, you just redeemed yourself, I think, a little bit with that analogy. Yeah,
1: well, I'm an odds man. <laughs> <laughs> I play the odds, but it's it's a crazy thing. Like <laughs> it, that that's what happens when you sit all day. You start thinking of crazy, well, sure, crazy things. Sure.
2: But but you know that that comes along with putting in the work. You know yep. what I mean? If you put in the work and you settle. Well, then you did yourself a, a, a disservice. No. You know what I mean? If you're going to put in the work, then, then let the end result equal the level of work you put into it. And, no. and that's only going to happen in your own brain. It's only going to happen in your own world. You're the master of your own reality. Yeah, that too.
1: All right, well, how long we have you been we doing this? Uh, we're going on two oh, hours. So
2: are, I give you guys a lot of credit for sticking with us. If you're still here, there's no one's here because uh, you guys are awesome. Because we you
1: know we, we, we got to wrap it up. But I mean, every there was a lot of substance all the way to the end there of this. Really and was, I, and there I, really hope, was. I hope we, I hope people listen. No,
2: you know you know. It, Aside from the, the prophetic, you know, statements that have come through this, it's, <laughs> this podcast. It's the
1: it's the perils of archery season.
2: It is indeed. It is indeed. There's a lot that comes with it. So if you haven't gathered that from this podcast, then I don't know what else to tell you. But there's a lot that comes along with, you know, what we do and, and how we try to fulfill, you know, our goals and whatnot. But, you know, just have at it, man. Just do what makes you happy at the end of the day. You know, let it let it equal the work you put in. I guess is where I would leave off. And uh, that's that's that, man. So yeah, maybe, uh, I'm
1: gonna leave it with that. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that's that wraps it up pretty well.
2: Yeah, I got about maybe a 25 of this beer. I still need to drink, so
1: I hammered mine. So saying that, we're good here. This has been the Sons of the Hunt podcast, season three, episode thirteen. We're going to end it here. I, th- I think that it was a, a knowledge-packed episode. At the very least. We probably should have put this out like a month ago.
2: Maybe. But, you know, that's what you get. You signed up for this, people. You yes. signed up for this.
1: I hope you signed up for it. <laughs> I hope you subscribe to it and all that stuff. Yeah, that you know, subscribe to it. Then share it with do.
2: people who also should have, yeah. you know, heard this a month ago.
1: Yeah, do all that. Anyway, we'll see you in the next episode. And I think we'll... Probably do something special for the next one, maybe a guest or something.
2: Yeah, we're creeping on some. We're creeping up on some uh, unique stuff here, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Are we close to fifty yet?
1: It's got. Yeah, it's uh-huh. got to be. It's either either the next one or the one after.
2: We need to do math. So I math, have to. It's going to take us a little while. I, so.
1: For fifty, I should just go back and find all the ones that we didn't put out and just put together like a a random <laughs> montage. ass montage. <laughs> Of just all the stupid yeah. shit that we probably said. In <laughs> it's
2: just going to be 75,000 times of me saying indeed.
1: Indeed. <laughs> all right. We're ending this. See Thanks there, for sticking man. with us. We'll see you.